0: Every single supporter helps make this show a little bit more possible, especially as I continue to add additional episodes and content every single week. Thank you so much for tuning in.
1: Let's get back to the show. Trigger warning. This podcast contains descriptions of various abusive situations. Listener discretion is advised.
2: These uh, you know, guys like Eric Swarzynski, who are always trying to uh, expose abuse in the church. I mean, when it comes to pedophiles in the church, I hope he exposes every one of them. I wish him all the success in the world. When it comes to marking these perverts and ruining these people's reputation, I, I wish him all the success in the world with that. But the problem is you, you, you listen to that guy and the other junk that he promotes some of the guests that he has come on there and just the trash that they teach. It's just like, then you just want to go fight him.
1: You are listening to the Preacher Boys Podcast, a podcast shedding light on decades of mental, physical, and sexual abuse within the independent fundamental Baptist movement. The testimony shared on this podcast are told from the personal experience and perspective of the survivors. Not all legal outcomes are known or final. Any suspect is presumed innocent until proven guilty in the court of law. To find more information about the Preacher Boys podcast and upcoming documentary, visit PreacherBoysDoc.com or connect on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter with the handle at PreacherBoysDoc. Now, here is your host... Eric Skwarzynski. That
0: is Tommy McMurtry. Uh, Tommy is a uh, pastor of Liberty Baptist Church. And uh, he preached a sermon uh, last Sunday. So yesterday, June 20th. And uh, preaching about the sin of the IFB. The uh, actual sermon was titled uh, Confessing the Sins of the IFB. And of course, I had to tune in for this. Uh, This is Tommy's bio for anybody who doesn't know who Tommy is. uh, It says, Pastor Tommy McMurtry was saved at an early age and was raised in a pastor's home his entire life. He's well acquainted with the ministry life. He was called to full-time Christian service while spending the summer as a camp counselor at the age of 19. He came home and was hired part-time at Lighthouse Baptist Church, learning under his father, Pastor Tom McMurtry. He worked toward his theology degree while falling in love, getting married, and having two children. He and his wife, Cassandra, have gone on to have six children. He graduated from Lighthouse Baptist College with a bachelor's degree of theology in 2003 and was ordained shortly after. He worked for 10 years as an assistant pastor, music director, and also in the school as a school supervisor for six of those years. He, was, he has worked with children, teens, adults, and senior citizens. Around January of 2011, he felt God leading him to plant a church in the Rock Falls area. There were no IFP churches within a 45-minute radius, and the town was in desperate need of the gospel. He was sent out of Lighthouse Baptist Church in LaSalle, Illinois. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. God came through in a mighty way with the purchase of a church building at an incredibly low price. After canvassing and knocking thousands of doors, Liberty Baptist Church held its first service on September 11th, 2011. It's been an exciting ride where God has come through in every situation. Pastor Tommy came to the Rock Falls, Sterling area with a burden in his heart for the people here. He can't wait to see what great things God has in store for Liberty Baptist Church. So Tommy is an interesting fellow. Uh, I've engaged with him before on Twitter. He's engaged with me. Uh, He's expressed uh, his love-hate relationship with the Bridge Boys podcast. Um, I think it leans a little bit more toward hate at this point, uh, based on the message that I listened to from Sunday that I'm about to play for you. Uh, But he comes from kind of the uh, Steven Anderson camp of uh, the IFB, um, but he doesn't consider himself a new IFB. He considers himself independent, uh, and so he admires guys like Stacey Shiflet, uh, but also appears on things with Stephen Anderson, also uh, has expressed some affection for uh, Nathan Rager. So he's got a pretty uh, broad, I guess, outlook within that world. Uh, but he preached a sermon about confessing since the IP. I thought it would be helpful to play through the sermon, uh, give some commentary, but also just let him speak for himself and let you see kind of the mindset here uh just as he would say he does for my show he lets people listen and uh and see how loony i am uh and so i'm gonna go and play this i did ask tommy because like i said we have talked before i sent him a message before uh, doing this asked his permission to play this clip in its entirety to which he was overjoyed to let me do so and he didn't want me to take him out of context and so i'm going to play it all in context he said any of his clips are fair use and free to free to be used in any way that I would like to use it. So with that said, I'm going to go ahead and uh, start off the sermon.
2: All right. So we're next to this chapter 20, and this is where we get the 10 commandments. And I want you to notice something that God says after uh, giving the commandment about graven images and bowing to them. He says in verse five, thou shalt not bow down thyself to them, nor serve them. For I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children under the third and fourth generation of them that hate me and showing mercy unto thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments. And here we see how there's things that God, uh, that upset him so much that the problems that are going to come from those are going to go to the next generation. And isn't that something that we commonly see just in families where you have a drunkard and then what does he begat another drunkard, you know, and we see the same type of sins going on from family to family. We have entire cultures today that are just a mess and they all have the same problems. Why is that? It's something they got from their fathers. It's something that they learned from them. Thank God. We can break those. curses thanks to the blood of Jesus Christ. We can overcome those things. If you came from a background like that, you don't have to continue that type of thing. You can you can end that, you can stop that, but most of the time it doesn't stop, does it? It just keeps going. But just like we have, you know, those iniquities being visited to the next generation, God shows mercy to those who love him. And he he shows mercy even more than he shows judgment. You know, God shows he visits the iniquity to the third and fourth generation, but he shows mercy unto thousands of them that love him and keep his commandments. And one thing that we need to do, if we are going to stop these kind of generational things, and this is something we see in the Bible, and I'm not gonna preach a message on breaking these curses tonight, but if we're gonna stop these things, one thing that we have to do when it comes to like generational curses and things is we have to confess the sins of our fathers. We have to recognize what those things are, and we we have to acknowledge them and we have to turn from those things. That is a very
0: important thing. So, off the bat, Tommy gives a little bit of hope that he's going to talk about some of the wrongdoing that has been so commonplace within the independent fundamental Baptist movement up to this point. Um, but the message is a little bit, uh, a little bit convoluted. So I'm
2: to to do. Do. now, in this New Testament era that we're in, in this Christian age, we know that it's not about bloodlines so much today, is it? It's not really about bloodlines. It's not where you descend right. from. Uh, I believe if you're saved today, you are in Christ. And you know, those things really are irrelevant in many ways, but at the same time,
0: spiritually speaking, I believe. And with that, I would absolutely agree as a Christian, I would agree that it is not determined by our ethnicity or anything else is a hundred percent due to our uh, standing in Christ. So I would agree with Tommy at this point personally.
2: The principle applies. And what I want to talk about right now, uh, I want to start a new series. This is going to be kind of a controversial series and I'm not trying to be controversial. This is just something That's the that is
0: quote of all time. To me is Tommy McMurtry saying, I'm not trying to be controversial, which I think would be a really good t-shirt. Uh, just an idea.
2: Really think it needs to be dealt with. It needs to be talked about. And uh, basically the title of the series is confessing the sins of the IFB confessing the sins of the IB. This is just kind of an introduction message. I'm going to get specific in the next weeks, but did you guys know the IFB is not perfect
0: Uh, yes, and also Tommy keeps saying he's going to be doing this series as an ongoing thing, uh, and so maybe we need to do throughout this series, maybe Tommy Thursdays or McMurtry Mondays or something. If you'd be interested in that, just drop a comment because I'm curious to see if that would be something we should do. I'm going to listen to all these sermons, so may as well uh, may as well uh, share my thoughts on them as we go. Anybody know that it's a,
2: it, it's got some issues? Now, Prop, props to Tommy. Most listen, whenever you that. start talking about this kind of thing. You often get accused of just being a hater. And trust me, I am not a hater of the IFB. I consider myself IFB. We consider ourselves IFB. But did you know that the IFB historically has had some problems and it suffered as a result of those problems? And we, if we're going to claim that independent fundamental Baptist heritage, if we're not willing to confess the sins that have been in there, and if we're not willing to uh, forsake those things and turn from those things, then you know what, we will have the same problems in our church that they've had in these other churches.
0: And again, props to Tommy for saying this, and a lot of IFP pastors will not say this. If you do not address and own the past, you cannot change the present or the future trajectory of the movement. So again, disagree with Tommy on so much in this video. Props to him for saying that there have been problems first and foremost, but also the only way it's going to change is by us actually having a conversation about them where we differ greatly is how that conversation should be had. And we'll get into that right now.
2: And I don't want to deal with those things, but you know what? I also don't want to do. I also don't want to just throw out the IFB. I don't want to forget about it because there's too much good in the IFB. I've gotten too much benefit. I've been blessed so much because of what the IFB stands for, what they promote, what they teach, I believe there is far more good than bad, but you know, it's not perfect. And we need to be willing to call these things out and name these things and to confess them and to get them right. And so um one cuz one thing we're going to see too, one thing we see in the Bible is whenever you see these kind of generational thing happen, these things happen, um you know, the people who get punished. I don't believe we're going to get God's going to punish us just because we call ourselves IFB unless we commit some of the same sins, then we're going to have some of the same problems, just like God would not necessarily judge the generations in the Bible who did not do the sins of their fathers, even when judgment or a curse was pronounced on them. If that generation was righteous and turned from those things, God would wait until a generation arose that was doing those sins again, before he would bring judgment. Now turn over to Matthew chapter 23. So for example, and we don't have time to go into all the examples, but in Israel, God would often send prophets and they would declare a judgment that was going to come on Israel because of the sins that they did. But then you would have a generation that confessed that sin. And so God wouldn't bring the, uh, the judgment on that generation. He waited until another generation arose who did like their fathers did in the past, that was wrong. And then God would bring the hammer down on that generation. Now think about all the bad generations that, that there were in Israel. Uh, and what would he say would be the worst generation? Because a lot of judgment was pronounced on Israel throughout the centuries. But what would we say? I think this should be pretty easy. The worst generation that committed the greatest sin was what generation would that be? well the generation of jesus's day they no doubt killing jesus was the ultimate sin that that nation ever could have done killing prophets was bad okay? and because of them killing the prophets god was going to bring great judgment on israel but notice god didn't bring it on on a generation that was righteous god brought it on the worst of the generations and look what it says in matthew 23 Verse 29, Woe unto you scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, because ye build the tombs of the prophets and garnish the sepulchres of the righteous, and say, if we had been in the days of our fathers, we would not have been partakers with them in the blood of the prophets. So referring back to the sins of the previous generations, this generation, Jesus talking, said we wouldn't have done that. But then in verse 32, it says, Fill ye then up the measure of your fathers, ye serpents, ye generation of vipers, how can ye escape the damnation of hell? Wherefore, behold, I send unto you prophets and wise men and scribes, and some of them ye shall kill and crucify, and some of them ye shall scourge in your synagogues and persecute them from city to city, that upon you may come all the righteous blood shed upon the earth, from the blood of righteous Abel unto the blood of Zacharias, the son of Barachias, whom ye slew between the temple and the altar. Verily I say unto you, all these things shall come upon this generation. And in 70 AD, they got nailed, didn't they? They got nailed big time. And you know what? It was for all the previous generation sins. But notice it wasn't an innocent generation that got nailed for all those previous things. It was literally the worst one. And I believe, you know, had that been a righteous generation, that judgment would have waited. So again, if you if if we have sin in our past, in our heritage we'll be okay as long as we confess that sin and forsake it. But if we're not willing to do that, if we're just going to go along and do the same things, we will reap the consequences of those things. We will suffer as a result of these things. And so the generation that would usually receive the judgment, it was always the worst generation we see in second Kings chapter 23 and verse 23, it says in the 18th, but in the 18th year of King Josiah. When the Passover is holding to the Lord in Jerusalem, moreover, the workers with familiar spirits and the wizards and the images and, and the idols and all the abominations that were spied in the land of Judah and Jerusalem, did Josiah put away that he might perform the words of the law, which were written in the book that Hilkiah, the priest found in the house of the Lord and like unto him, was there no King before him that turned to the Lord with all his heart, with all his soul, and with all his might, according to all the law of Moses, neither after him arose there any like him. Notwithstanding, okay, hey, notice Josiah, nobody's been like him in just turning to the Lord. But notice what it says here Notwithstanding, the Lord turned not from the fierceness of his great wrath, wherewith his anger was kindled against Judah because of all the provocations that Manasseh had provoked him withal. So even though Israel is doing wonderful in this time, God says judgment's still coming because of what the previous generation did because of what Manasseh did. But the Lord said, I will remove Judah also out of my sight as I have removed Israel and will cast off the city Jerusalem, which I have chosen and the house, which I said, my name shall be there. So notice God said, I'm still judging you Israel, but you know what? It didn't happen in Josiah's day, did it? And Josiah's reign, things were fine. You know why? Cause that generation, forsook the, uh, the, uh, the transgressions of the previous generation. And they did things the right way. Hilkiah finds the book and they're like, you know what? We're going to, we're going to go back to the book. You know what Josiah didn't do? So we're going to stick to the old paths. We're going to do what the previous generation Manasseh did. We're going to honor our heritage, which I agree. No, you know problem. what their real heritage was? Well, it was the word yeah, of God. History. It was the Bible and the previous generation had gotten off track big time. And judgment was coming as a result of that. And they got it right. Listen, it's okay, folks, if we as IFB reform a few things because the IFB is not perfect. Thank God our Bible never needs reformed. But you know what? Our religious practices might need some reformation every now and then. And we can't get too freaked out when that happens if all of a sudden we're like, you know, something we've been doing for the last 10 years, we probably shouldn't have been doing it. Let's fix that. Or last 50 years. Oh, well, this is why we've never done it that way before. I don't care. It's wrong. We need to fix it. We've always got to be ready for that. I'm not looking to change, but if we need to change, we're going to change. We, are, we need to be ready for that. So but judgment was still coming, but Here's it didn't question. happen.
0: And this, this question going to come up over and over again. If we need to change, we're going to change. At what point do you say enough is enough. We're going to change. That's the question. That's not getting answered here. At what point is enough is enough and you're going to change. And I keep waiting for some kind of indication of what that will look like or what that will be. But I have yet to get a clear answer on it.
2: In Messiah's day. And so, again, what people want to do when you say these things, when you actually call out a problem in the IFB, they act like you're just a hater. But you know what? If that's the case, let's look at some haters of Israel. All right. How about Nehemiah? It, Nehemiah notice what he said in Nehemiah chapter nine, verse one. Now in on the 20 and fourth day of the month, the children of Israel were assembled with fasting.
0: sorry for adjusting the video that the video guys got a little too much white in this corner. So I'm going to stretch it out, make it look a little bit even because it's driving me crazy. There
2: we go. And with sackcloths and earth upon them and the seed of Israel separated themselves from all strangers and stood and confessed their sins and the iniquities of their fathers oh, so
0: much better
2: And they stood up in their place and read in the book of the law of the Lord their God one fourth part of the day and another fourth part they confessed and worshiped the Lord their God. you know what they did in Nehemiah's day they finally recognized and said, you know what you want to know why we're a mess you want to know why Israel's dead right now because of our iniquities, because of our sins, because of the sins of our fathers and they you know what they did they got it right. And you know, there's a reason a lot of IFB churches today are deader than a bag of hammers. You want to know why it's because of sin sometimes because of immorality. Sometimes it's because of the many things we're going to talk about. Sometimes it's because of false doctrine that's crept in. And you know what we need to do when that happens, we need to say, we got this wrong. Let's fix it. I agree. Let's confess it. It doesn't mean we hate the IFB doesn't mean we hate the previous generation. I agree. And folks, I'm telling you right now, I, I could get up here and I could start naming a bunch of preachers that were just a blessing that were a huge impact on my life. But you know what else I could do with those same guys. If I just wanted to be, you know, one of these victim recovering fundamentalist types, I could go and I could start talking about some of their faults too. And I could use it as an excuse to forsake all the good things that they taught me.
0: Okay. So here's kind of the first part where Tommy really starts contradicting himself. And uh, I told Tommy I would be fair, I would do things in context, but this is one of the first parts where he really contradicts himself within this sermon. And he keeps talking about how if things need to change, they need to change. If we need to do things differently, and we've been doing it for 10 years, 15 years, we need to keep changing. We need to be open to that thing if we're doing something wrong. He then goes to say, there's a lot of guys that I loved and respected who also did some things wrong. But I'm not going to you know, get like one of these recovering fundamentalist guys and start talking about all the things that these people did wrong. My question is, how do you avoid making mistakes in the future if you don't talk about the mistakes that were made in the past? If you don't identify what leadership did that was harmful 20 years ago, you're gonna have leadership doing the same thing 20 years later. So you have to be able to have this conversation. And I don't understand why Tommy is uncomfortable in situations with the IFB, talking about the mistakes of good men, But then when it comes to outside the IFB, to the recovering fundamentalist camp, he wants to only focus on the mistakes of good men. There are good men in both sides. There's good men who have been part of IFB heritage and good men that are in the RFP heritage. And there's bad people in both of those groups. And there's also some horrific people that were major leaders in the IFB. So you have to really look at this situation and go, why can we only have a conversation about the faults of one side? And this message is chock full of accusations about one specific side. And it happens to be the camp that Tommy does not find himself in.
2: But I'm not going to do that. You know why? Cause I don't need to. And I, and I don't hate them. I'm thankful for what they taught me, but I also am going to make sure I focus on the perfect God that they pointed me to the perfect book that they pointed me to. And you know what? Those guys never claimed to be
0: perfect in the first place. None of them did. And to the best of my knowledge, neither has anybody within the recovering fundamentalist camp at all. And I'm not just going to go
2: and use their faults as an excuse to throw out all the good things that they taught because they taught a lot of good things. So Nehemiah though, they did during his day, they confessed the sins and Daniel, Daniel, we know Daniel loved Israel, but in Daniel chapter nine, verse 15, he says, "And now, O Lord our God, thou hast brought thy people forth out of the land of Egypt with a mighty hand, and hast gotten thee renown at this day. We have sinned. We have done wickedly. O Lord, according to all thy righteousness, I beseech thee, let thine anger and thy fury be turned away from thy city Jerusalem, thy holy mountain, because for our sins, and for the iniquities of our fathers, Jerusalem and thy people are become a reproach to all that are about us." I mean, how Daniel speak that way about the previous generation. He wasn't worthy to just, you know, untie or to tie their shoes. He wasn't worthy of these men. He was, you know, imagine these young punks out there talking against the great men. No, we're not talking against the great men, but you know what we are trying to do? We're trying to reform some things that need to be reformed. We're trying to not make some of the same mistakes that the previous generation made. You know, I grew up hearing the kind of preaching that said, you know what? I don't want my kids to make the same mistakes that I made. You know, I grew up
0: again, all these comments are very confusing
2: in light of what he's about to start saying, being taught, learn from the pre the mistakes of the previous generation. Don't do some of the same dumb stuff that we did. That's, that's what I was taught growing up, but we've got a generation out there today that just want to be the new popes in the IMB and all that. And what do they do? They go and they just go around traveling all over the country, just lifting up the names of the great men. Selling the books of the great men, talking about the great men. I mean, they can't preach a sermon without dropping the names of all the great men. I was preaching with Dr. Hiles, I was preaching with Tom Malone. And, and what are they doing? They lift these guys up. And I agree with all of this. And now those guys are all dead and off the scene now. What are they trying to do? They're trying to teach all of you, just as I revere the greats of the past, you should revere the greats of your generation. And Tommy Spain. And in case you're wondering who that is, and in case you didn't figure it out you know, by all the things I've been doing and promoting, uh, it's me. That's exactly what they're doing. That is exactly. They, they, cause you know what, when these, these guys are getting older and they know they're going to pass off the scene pretty soon and they don't want to be forgotten. And the truth is, you know, I, I get that a little bit, but you know, at the end of the day, I would, I would prefer the next generation that comes up after me to preach Christ, Amen. not Tommy McMurtry. I think, and that's what we should be shooting for. You know, it's okay. I can be forgotten. I can die. I can pass off the scene, but you know what? Jesus Christ, as long as he's still being preached, then that's what matters. Cause I don't get I, you know, people aren't getting saved because of me.
0: And I hope as a pastor that Tommy means that I, re- I really do. I
2: am getting saved because of who I preach. and And so if others come along and they preach Christ, people will still get saved. The job will get done. Even if the world forgets my name. And, but too many people are out just trying to create a legacy for themselves. We see Jeremiah and Lamentations chapter five verse 70 says, our fathers have sinned and are not, and we have borne their iniquities. We're paying for some of this stuff, you know, and sometimes we do, sometimes we pay and and we get accused. I mean, we get accused of just crazy stuff all the time because of weirdos in the IFB, you know, they act like we're harboring perverts in this church. I'm so sick of people. Just, you know, judging our church
0: based and just for the record, I've never accused Tommy of harboring pedophiles in this church. I don't know who has, but I certainly have not
2: based off some other IFB church somewhere else. And you know, I just, I'm putting a challenge out there to the trendies too. all these people too, that want to like attack our soul winning and things. I'm just, I will, I, I'm, this is official, all right? I'm putting this out there on the internet. I will go soul winning with any trendy that wants to, as long as I'm talking. All right. I'm not going to go silent partner for them. I want these people to observe my soul. I want them to go souling with me. I want them to watch me, give the gospel to somebody, watch them call on the Lord for salvation. And then I want them to look me in the eye and tell me that person didn't get saved. All right. All right. Pastor trendy in your skinny jeans, come on out and see what we're doing out here. you know, you want to talk about the one time you went out souling with some goofball in Bible college.
0: And here we go just kind of diving into this, this is about confessing the sin of the IP and uh, he's going to start spending the majority of the message talking about the quote unquote, recovering fundamentalists. fundamentals.
2: But you know, come out here, go, go souling with me, go souling with some of the people in our church and tell me that these people who heard the gospel, who understood the gospel, who believed the gospel, who called on the Lord for salvation, you tell me that they're not saved. I, you know, just cause I want to hear you admit you're a heretic. And or that you were ignorant in what you spoke against our church. But Ezra did the same thing. Ezra 9 verse seven, since the days of our fathers, we have been in a great trespass unto this day. And for our iniquities have we, our kings and our priests, been delivered into the hand of the kings of the lands, to the sword to captivity and to spoil and to confusion of face as it is this day? And now for a little space. Grace has been showed from the Lord, our God to leave us a remnant to escape and to give us a nail in his holy place that our God may lighten our eyes and give us a little reviving in our bondage. So these guys, all of them confessing the sins of their fathers, they're, they're calling these things out and they're doing this to make a call to the current generation that let's not do the same thing because we are very likely to do what the previous generations have done, aren't we?
0: And make the. So, And again, best way to avoid that is probably to talk about the previous generation, you
2: know, some things might be good. Some things might be bad though. And we need to fix these things. And when we do the things that God has told us not to do, when we go against God's word, one thing that we see that God would do in the Bible. And I believe that God is doing this very thing today. Here we go. Buckle up is when we just rebel against God, when we sin, when we will not get those things right, you know what? We see
0: God, how God handled this type of thing in the Bible. And and I do want to, I am curious this, I actually should ask Tommy this. When he says we, is he admitting that the IFB is a denomination unto itself? Because a lot of IFB will not be pinned down and associated with other ministries within the world. So it's interesting that he actually uses the terminology we here. Curious if he uh, would admit that it's his own denomination. God would
2: raise up, God would raise up Enemies in their own house to deal with them. Now look at what it says in second Samuel. And one thing we're seeing going on in the IFB world today is we're seeing more and more of these IFBers decide that the IFB is legalistic. They now have read their Bibles finally, they got them an ESV instead of a KJV, and they figured out that the IFB is legalistic, it's got all these doctrinal problems, and then they go, and then they become these full-blown, pink shirt, skinny jean-wearing, effeminate trendies.
0: And you're gonna notice this a lot. The biggest, uh, horrible, most awful thing you can be in Tommy's eyes is to be a pink shirted, skinny jean-wearing, effeminate person. Nothing to do with doctrine, nothing to do with theology, nothing to do with morality. It has to do with stylistic preferences. So you're gonna keep hearing that happen over And over and over again,
2: they just happen to look and act just like the world. They just completely have given themselves over to lasciviousness and just following the ways of this world, trying to fit in with this queer, messed up culture that we have today. And then what are they doing? They're going around literally trying to get people to leave their IB churches. And let me tell you some place where we could confess some sins. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this this week. I am mean, not going to really spend any time on this this week, but let's this, uh, this Bible college model is not working that we're seeing this big Again. mega Tommy's church. Right. Agree. model with the Bible colleges where all the regular churches send their people for training. Yeah. It's not working. Okay. It works great for that big church. Okay. If everybody wants to send me all the cream of their crop to this church, well, our church will do great. I promise. Okay. All I got to do is just can, scam these people into thinking let's send all the best people in our church, the young people to your church. And you know what, not only are we going to tell them to come there and then they're going to pay their tithes, but they're going to pay us to come and learn how to be a good Christian here.
0: Hey, that, and again, Tommy's hitting something that is so true, so accurate, but he misses so much within this sermon. That's a fantastic scam.
2: Eh? but at the same time, uh, you know, that these are not, this is not, that's not the model we should be following. They got a lot of problems in that model. And we're seeing these, these trendies that are coming up today, they are specifically targeting the people in these Bible colleges. That's where, you know, the, the preachers that are out there lamenting You know the problems, all the trendies and things are uh, causing the recovering fundamentalists. The recovering fundamentalists—they literally on their website, they have a whole thing on there too, specifically for Bible college students. They're targeting IFB Bible college students. They're wanting to get their contact information. And I
0: did not know this. I'm actually gonna check the site to see if this is true.
2: why? Because they're trying to get the—they're trying to pull these people out of there. They're literally trying to cause division. They're and, and you know what? It's working in a lot of cases too. They're bragging about all the people contacting them for the, from these other Bible colleges. And then you got the Bible college presidents out there just lamenting the fact we've got all these, you know, feminine trendies out there, you know, what's going on in this world today. You know, we're by, you know, the IFB is only five to 10 years away from being extinct. You no, know, I'm hoping your mega church. I, I don't see anything about
0: uh, Bible college specifically to reach out to recovering fundamentalist. Maybe I'm missing it, but either way, I mean, they should, I I think that's people that would probably be most likely to hear the perspective outside of someone who's been staunchly within it for several years. But anyway, I don't see anything like that. I might be missing it from the site though. So maybe that's outdated information. I'm not sure.
2: College models five to 10 years from being extinct. Okay. You know, and that that was Jack Trieber that said that who embodies a lot of the problems that we're seeing in the IFB. Right on. And one of the big ones is cover-ups, which we're covering next week. Okay. I hope that
0: goes extinct. It's an important issue. We should, you know, I don't think
2: this type of thing is going extinct anytime soon. In fact, I know it's not the gates of hell are, if the gates of hell are not going to prevail against God's church, you better believe a bunch of queer little trendies aren't going to prevail against the church. You better believe. And let me tell you something too, about these recovering types, these trendies, these podcasters, they haven't heard our church at all. I'm not scared of these people at all. Oh, I mean, I've pointed some of these people to you. I I, I refer to them so I can show, hey, just so you guys don't think I'm making this stuff up about these queer little trendies out there, here here they are on display. Listen to what they actually say. Listen to what these people are actually uh, teaching people. You know, and- And again,
0: I'll say this to Tommy's credit. Uh, Tommy isn't afraid to name names disagree strongly with why he's naming names, but at least he has the guts, unlike a Bruce Goddard or a, uh, Jack Trieber to actually say that I'm the queer effeminate, uh, pink shirt wearing trendy that he's talking about. And, uh, he doesn't just give a vague allusion to something.
2: See that I'm not lying. I- I'm not afraid if our people see this kind of thing, but who are these people? They are people from the IFB. Now let's see what happened with David. When David committed a great sin. When David sinned with Bathsheba. This is a
0: really interesting example and I'll explain.
2: But we'll talk more about the specific sin next week. When David, after he sinned, sinned with Bathsheba, ended up murdering Uriah to cover up the sin that he had committed. And look what it says in 2nd Samuel 12:7 and 8 and said unto David, thou art the man. Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, I anointed the king over Israel and I delivered thee out of the hand of Saul. And I gave thee thy master's house and thy master's wives into thy bosom, and gave thee the house of Israel and Judah. And if it had not it had been too little, I would moreover have given unto thee such and such things. Wherefore hast thou despised the commandment of the Lord to do evil in his sight? Thou hast killed Uriah the Hittite with the sword, and hast taken his wife to be thy wife, and hast slain him with the sword of the children of Abraham. I can't believe you. Nathan the prophet talked that way to the man of God.
0: So, in this example, is the RFP, is Preacher Boys, is it Nathan? Because later on, he draws a parallel to something a lot worse than Nathan. Nathan was sent by God to call out something wrong within David's life. So is he drawing a comparison between the RFP, Preacher Boys, fill in the blank with all these different podcasts, to Nathan, who is the righteous bearer of truth in this story?
2: But you know what? The man of God messed up big time. The man of God needed to get called out. God's anointed needed to get called out. Why? Because this was wicked what he did, and he called it in, and this and Nathan did, he called it out. But listen to what he said. Now therefore, the sword shall never depart from thine house, because thou hast despised me, and hast taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be thy wife. Thus saith the Lord, Behold, I will raise up evil against thee out of thine own house, and I will take thy wives before thine eyes, and give them unto thy neighbor. I'm going to take what was yours and I'm going to give it to these evil people out of your own house. And then, uh, and he shall lie with thy wives in the sight of this son, for thou didst it secretly, but I will do this thing before all Israel and before all the son. And David said unto Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said unto David, The Lord also hath put away thy sin, thou shalt not die. But because by this deed thou hast given great occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme, the child also that is born unto thee shall surely die. So David he didn't die because of this sin, and he should have died because of this sin. But God was merciful to him; God did not kill him, but punishment still came. And you know what? There's a lot of IFB churches out there. There's a lot of IFB preachers out there. They're great men. They've done great things for God. They are saved but because of these great sins that they've done, I believe just like God punished David, God has raised up people, evil men out of their own churches, out of their own houses to basically bring judgment on these churches. That's what I believe is going on today. I believe that God is using these people. I believe the I is full of wicked enemies that came from within the movement. And it was God that raised them up. I do believe.
0: And again, why is so much focus on the, quote, evil men that are pointing out the wrongdoing and not on the person who's doing the wrongdoing? In this sermon about the sins of the IFB, we're spending most of our time talking about people who are calling out the sins of the IFB.
2: (laughs) That the recovering fundamentalists are doing the work of the Lord. I believe the Preacher Boys podcast guy and the church split and these trendies that I interact with sometimes. I believe that they're doing the Lord's work, but I believe they're doing the Lord's work just like the Babylonians did the Lord's work in the book of Habakkuk that we've been going through on Wednesdays. I'm not going to take the time to repeat all that, but in the book of Habakkuk, what do we got? We've got Israel that's in sin. God raises up the Babylonians to bring judgment. Now, were the Babylonians a righteous people? You better believe they weren't righteous
0: people. In fact, Habakkuk got upset that God was using someone This is such a crazy comparison. Comparing the RFP or to Preacher Boys to the Babylonians who enslaved the Jewish people It's just crazy. It's just a crazy, crazy concept, especially considering myself personally, the RFP, many other people that he's naming, like the church split. I apologize for yawning. It's extremely late. Uh, The church split. We all would adhere to fairly orthodox Christianity. So to draw a comparison to a completely, uh, in the biblical context, godless nation that was out to destroy Israel is a pretty shocking comparison. Who is less
2: righteous than Israel to judge them. But what did God say? God raised them up to bring judgment on them. And then God was going to deal with the Babylonians. And let me tell you something while I believe these people are doing the word Lord's work, I believe it's a work of judgment, but do I believe these are righteous men? No, I do not. I've talked with these people. I've interacted with these people. I've listened enough of their stuff to say without a doubt in my mind, these are evil people. And a lot of people look at that. Oh, you know, how could God use people like example. that? Same way. He used the Babylonians same way. God used men like Absalom. Men like Shimei, men like Adonijah, people from within David's own house that God raised up, that God allowed to bring death and destruction and problems in David's house because of their sin. And that's what these guys are getting used for right now. God is allowing them to become pop. You know why? Because the IFB isn't fixing anything. The IFB has been called out by actual preachers and men of God. And they didn't, they're not answering. They're not dealing with these things. They're not fixing things.
0: They're not. And and who has called them out? Again, this is another statement that's made very quickly. Who in the IFB has called this out? And Tommy would say, well, I have. Okay. Who else has called it out? Who in the movement in the majority of the movement has called it out because I grew up in the movement for 18 years. Then back for another couple of years, I never heard the sins of the IFB addressed within the churches I was a part of, or the churches I visited, or the pastors I spoke with, ever. And if you're watching this, drop a comment. If you're listening on the podcast, go to the group, leave a leave a comment. Did you ever see that? Because I definitely didn't.
2: Stopping the cover-ups, there's not stopping up a lot of the bad, stopping a lot of the bad teaching and the bad practices and things that we'll talk about in previous. They're not stopping any of that stuff. And because of that, God is raising up these people in and, and their own house that are wreaking havoc in these churches, that are causing all kinds of problems, that are getting their people to leave. And here's the thing that's pathetic, too. And, th- and it is, it's frustrating to just listen to some guy who's effeminate, some guy, some guy who's uh, doesn't have the right gospel, who teaches a hardcore lordship salvation.
0: And I believe he's talking about uh, Will House on the church split
2: right here. Who dresses like a queer. It's, it's frustrating to listen to somebody like that act like he's, all, that he's more righteous than the IFB. You know, because when, when I hear these guys criticizing these people in the IFB, even when the guys in the IFB are wrong, it's my instinct to side with the guy in the IFB.
0: And that's crazy. Again, you hear what he's saying. He's like, if somebody in my tribe says something completely wrong and then somebody who's in a different tribe calls out that thing that is objectively wrong i'm more likely to side with the guy who's wrong in my camp than the guy who's right outside of my camp because who are you
2: to say anything against these guys and the truth is they are
0: nothing but yet god often uses evil people and again they are nothing what does that mean they are nothing This is the same thing that Bruce Goddard said in his Morning Moments video where he said the people that do this stuff have nothing going for them. They have no personality, no life, and the only way that they can find any kind of meaning is by – like based on what? I don't know how many people go to Tommy's church, but nothing based on what? How many people listen based on uh, what kind of clothes you wear, based on the fact that we wear shirts that are pastel colored? Like, what is the reason for you to determine that we're nothing like that? Cause they're not fixing these things themselves.
2: And so, you know, here's, here's the question that I've had too, because you know, I see these things too. And I, and I, you know, these, uh, you know, guys like is, Eric Sporzynski is. who are always trying to, uh, uh expose abuse in the church. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. when it comes to pedophiles in the church, I hope he exposes every one of them. I wish him all the success in the world. When it comes to marking these perverts and ruining these people's reputation, I I wish him all this.
0: And quick note: I don't ruin the reputation; they ruin the reputation by abusing children. But that's a that's
2: a small success one. in the world with that. But the problem is you 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 listen to that guy and the other junk that he promotes.
0: Again, this is another piece, and this is extremely. And I know, I know, I'm going to get flack for this from Tommy, but hear what I'm saying. This right here is cold dish. Behavior. When you say that you cannot bring on other people who might believe differently than you do, or might believe differently than your audience does, or might believe differently than Christianity does, or might believe differently than the church does, to say that you cannot engage with those people and have a dialogue is extremely, extremely cultish. I don't agree with everything every guest on my show ha- uh, says, whether they're Christian or not. But to say that I'm just promoting them or promoting all of these beliefs, like if that's the case, I promoted a lot of different worldviews within my show. The purpose of the show is not a sermon. The purpose of the show is not evangelism. The purpose of the show is not to be a church service. The purpose of the show is to listen to people tell their stories of abuse and trauma. And so my guests do that. And some of them happen to be, white and some of them happen to be black and some happen to be gay and some happen to be straight and some happen to be Christian. Some happen to be atheist. Some happen to be trans. Some people happen to be psychologists. Some happen to be pastors. Some happen to be authors. Some happen to be fill in the blank. There's a wide variety of people. And to say that I'm promoting every single ideology that every single guest has is just disingenuous. And the idea that you can't listen, even listen to the perspective of someone from a different position is extremely, extremely cultish. It just is, and I'm sorry. I'm able to listen to you. I'm able to listen to a lot of different perspectives because I am not afraid of hearing outside perspectives. And I sense fear when I hear statements like this made in the pulpit. And again, I'm sorry, but that's what I sense, that's what I see.
2: Some of the guests that he has come on there and just the trash that they teach, it's just like, then you just wanna go fight him. Right.
0: I have to ask about it. Is this like a real fight? Are you just talking about fighting like with words? Or like, did you see JC's boxing ring and want to actually duke it out because I'm not the fighting type? But I will say this. I will say this. We could probably fill up a stadium at like a local YMCA and do like a do like some kind of boxing match where like Preacher Boys event. I think it'd be fun. Or like a wrestling match. I think it would be fun. I don't know. If that's, it might be cool. I don't know. (laughs) It's like, what
2: is, what is wrong with you? I don't know. And I, you know, and I would listen to that. And because I do, I like a part of me wants him to succeed because I want this stuff exposed. I want these things dealt with, you know, I'm in agreement with him there. These cover-ups need to stop. And we're going to, we're going to talk about how to deal with abuse and uh, things like that next week, so important. but at the We're same time, I remember next week. thinking, why can't we have someone within the IFB that's sane,
0: that's saved? And again, to, to Tommy's credit, as much as I disagree with everything he's saying right now, Tommy told me this exact stuff over the phone, one-to-one, uh, a few months ago. So he's not just uh, showboating down the pulpit. He told me this over the phone, exactly.
2: Not a nut job heretic that's not effeminate.
0: Okay. Okay. Why can't we have somebody like that right. in the eye of beat do do that? Again, I love that the worst thing that he can have to say is I'm effeminate, which, may, maybe, maybe I'm soft spoken. I don't, I don't think that's the okay. But again, if that's the worst thing that you have here, is that I'm a nut job, effeminate, and heretic. Again, point to something that I've said on my show that you would deem heretical. And again, that's not the point of the show. But, what is something that I've said on my show that you would deem heretical? I'm curious to hear the perspective because everything that I've said that I believe pretty orthodox,
2: but at the same time, you know, when I thought of that, I was like, first off, I don't want to do that. I mean, I really don't want to be thinking about that stuff, talking about that stuff all the time. I mean, it's, it's pretty de- depressing. Yeah. You know, I think it would mess with somebody, you know, dealing with that kind of thing all the time. Uh, cause it is, some of the stories are pretty horrible. Some of the things that have happened are just absolutely tragic and horrible, but You know, why doesn't anybody
0: in the IFB rise up and do that? And I think there's a few reasons. And I think. But again, why doesn't anybody do it? This is such a pressing problem. Somebody needs to address it. Someone needs to talk about it, but it's definitely not going to be me. Then why are you upset that somebody's picking up that mantle and talking about it? I waited seven, eight years before I said anything about it, before I actually picked up a microphone and started talking about it, because I was waiting for people like you within the movement to start talking about it. But it was silent. I think a lot of them are good. And also, this contradicts what he said earlier where he said, you know, God's raising up evil people because pastors have been saying for so long, you need to change, you need to change. Who were they? You're saying now that there's nobody willing to do it, including yourself. One, most of us, we just don't have time.
2: Okay, You know, there's honestly, I'm pastoring the church. I don't have time to figure out who all the perverts are and expose all of them. And I don't know if you all really want me to devote my ministry to that, just because uh, that just that doesn't seem very rewarding to me.
0: What is not rewarding? I do want. Pervers- what is not rewarding about exposing abuse? What is not rewarding about victims getting to tell their stories for the first time? Like, there's few things I can think of more rewarding than that.
2: Words to get exposed. I re- I really do. You know, another another reason though, I think a lot of people in the IB don't want to do this is because. You know, we're all scared to death of saying something falsely against one of
0: God's people. So am I. I'm scared. I, of, I am terrified of saying something falsely against somebody, which is why I go through a very, very difficult vetting process with every story that I hear. And I go through a lot of thought and a lot of thinking before I agree to have someone on my show. And I look at all the information I have provided to me. And I look to see if there's extra people involved in the situation that can shed light on it. I too am very, very careful about this. It can be done. I don't
2: know about you that, you know, that, the thought of that scares me because it is a false accusation is a very serious thing. hundred percent. We do not want to be calling somebody a pervert when they are not a pervert. We 100%. do not want to accuse somebody of being a rapist or whatever when they're 100%. not. That is a very right. dangerous thing. We don't want to be spreading gossip.
0: hundred percent. We do I.
2: not want to do that. And. So, uh, so it is, a, it's a very, it's a very but dangerous again, who thing. Does? Who does? When you've got somebody, uh, you know, who's a Baptist preacher, who's saved, and then you bring an accusation
0: against them. And again, what difference does it make if they claim to be saved? That shouldn't play any role in whether or not we determine if an accusation is
2: true. That's, that's serious stuff right there. And... It's something that needs to be handled with great care. A lot of due diligence needs to go into that to make sure it's legit before it gets handled. But here's the other, here's, here's one of the main reasons. I don't think we'll ever see anybody from within the IFB rise up doing something like this
0: is because in reality, again, Tommy said that they've been doing this for years and people have not listened. So which one is it? It's not the place
2: of any one figure within the IFB to do something like this because we do believe in local churches, don't we? Okay. We're we we do not believe in the universal church and it is the and, the and here's what you all need to get to. And let me just say this as the pastor and we put it out there and you all mark this and save this in case I ever conveniently need to change my position on this thing. But you know, it's the job of the individual church to deal with and expose the wicked that takes place in their church there's no God ordained position out there. There's no, uh, person that we can just put over this in the I of B to do this when a church, because when a church perverts, the ways of God, then God will allow the perverts on the outside to come in and to destroy. And we can't, we've got, we got to be
0: a chapter and verse on that.
2: One. Careful how we handle these things. Cause you know, God doesn't need me as the pastor of this church to deal with all the other IFB churches as much as I'd like to sometimes, sometimes I think they need a Pope and I volunteer. No, I, I, I'm not, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. See, and so if something, if something ever happens here, because here's the position that I found myself in before a lot of times, uh, when a pastor gets accused of something. And I I could start talking about specific examples. I'm not going to do that because I don't know the details on these things, but you'll hear about a pastor who supposedly did something perverted. And then what often happens is the church and one situation in particular, the pastor did something perverted, apparently, and the church got rid of him. Good for them. Okay. A congregation should be able to remove a pastor. Let me just say that right now too. Okay. I'm the pastor of this church. But if I become a pervert, you shouldn't all leave and find another church. No, you should get rid of me. And I agree, but here's the issue. You should get rid
0: of me and- In most churches, that is not a realistic possibility. And I'll I'll double down, in most IFB churches, the congregation has nowhere near enough power to do something like that. And Tommy knows that. In most cases, in most congregations, that power does not exist. I agree in principle, Tommy would be lying if he said that existed in most churches. And I would venture to say, even within his own church, sure. The positions might be there. The deacons might be there, but I have yet to hear a story where this effectively happens in a meaningful way. You
2: can get rid of me. If that kind of thing happens, you can do it. If you don't know the process, we'll talk about that another time, but folks, churches can get rid of their pastors. And if you can't, then what are you in? Okay. And, that, and that's another subject for another day. But so this church, they did the right thing, but here's the problem. Now that pastor has gone on and he's pastoring another church somewhere. now. Name is
0: name, Tommy. And name so I'm
2: over here. I didn't get all the information. I don't know specifically what happened. Nothing ever happened legally to this individual, but at the same time, even if nothing legally bad happened, okay. For, Cause for example, if a pastor commits adultery, nothing's going to happen to him legally. But should that guy pastor another church? No. Absolutely not. So who's going to stop him? Well, it's up to that church to expose him. And this pastor who's pastoring somewhere else. Now that congregation should do something to publicly mark him. That's what needs to happen. And if I ever get busted for doing something perverted, you know, here, and here's where you're going to be tempted. Oh, well, we don't want to ruin Liberty Baptist Church's reputation. And folks, l- let me tell you, that is a lie of the devil right now, right there. And again, Listen, you know what will ruin Liberty so Baptist right Church's again. reputation? Is if I do something perverted and you cover it up. Yeah. He's right. Because did you know our world understands that even preachers aren't perfect? That even preachers fall? And they will forgive a church that's got a pervert for a pastor if that church deals with it. And I think one of the greatest proofs of that is pastor Shiflet's church. When, when the, when it turned out that the former pastor was a pervert, that church exposed it. Now, most churches today, they naturally, they want to cover that kind of thing up because they don't want to hurt the church's reputation. But did you know, I, I was talking with him a while back. Their church has a fantastic reputation in that community. They're known as the church too, that got rid of the pervert. And that church, it's not looked at is that's the church that had a pedophile in it. No, that's the church that exposed the pedophile that was there. You know what he did when he did the right thing? He salvaged that church's reputation and that church, most churches, when that kind of thing happens, they end up having a split. They lose a bunch of people, they die and they never recover. That church is doing better than it's ever done before. You know why? Cause they trusted God
0: And they did the right thing. How can Tommy go on such streaks where he's so right. All sandwiched within statements that are so, so. And they
2: exposed it and folks, that is what you have to do. If that ever happens here. And if it happens to any of you, if we ever find out we have some child molester or something in here, we will expose you. And if we find out you're going to another church somewhere, You know what we'll do? We'll call that church up and tell warn the pastor, that dude's a pervert. But especially if you're in leadership, especially the pastor, you all have to get that done. You have to do it. You have to let everyone know. You got to let the world know that pastor Tommy did this and should not be pastoring anywhere. And then you know what you've done now that the proper authorities have dealt with it you now have something to stand on to protect yourself from making some kind of false accusation because, and that, and that's the thing too. There's a lot of the, you know, cause you know, the recovering or the Eric because they're not as careful as they should be and who they name and who they expose. Sometimes they, uh, they get after people who don't have it coming and give an example. Sometimes they do. Sometimes they cross lines Ooh. and folks, that's dangerous. And these guys already got judgment coming. You know, what's, you know, what, what are you going to do? Add another return, you know, hour or year to their sentence in hell? I mean,
0: this part made my jaw drop when I first watched it. There's not a lot that Tommy says anymore that shocks me, but to make the claim, because I understood from the last time we had a phone call, my understanding was that he at least accepted the validity of my salvation. It sounds like he thinks because we're speaking against the IFB, that it's a sign that we're damned for hell, and that surprised me. It surprised me that he'd go to that level and make that statement. Um, and again, I ask him to point to why he believes that.
2: And you know, what are you going to do?
0: But you know, Maybe get him there a little bit sooner. But listen, what does that mean? Get him to hell a little bit sooner. I hope he's not talking about uh, a threat there. That sounds like a threat to me. Unless he's talking about God's judgment coming sooner. Which again, is shocking that God would judge somebody for exposing abuse against his children.
2: Listen, they're not always careful with that, but, and that's why we got to be, be careful. too. Because when we're just hearing things that are hearsay and there's nothing official, for example, you know, except a lot of stuff, the police can't do anything about it, you know, because of statute of limitations, but folks, the church doesn't have statute of limitations. Okay. If the police come forward and they say, we know that this guy was videotaping women in his office, Greg Neal. We know he was doing it, but we got a statute of limitations so we can't do anything. Then you know what that church should do? That church should get up and say, "We don't have a statute of limitations. You're busted, pastor. You're out of here." And again, Tommy's back. To, back to being right. And then you know what they do? They expose him. They tell everyone and then people like us can stand there on the outside and stand with them condemn that. But what as we have is hearsay. When we have no people in that are, that are, uh, you know, in authority anywhere dealing with this kind of thing, it's, it puts us in a tough spot. And as much as I do, as much as I hate perverts, as much as I hate pervert pastors, I'm terrified of holding somebody accountable for something that they didn't do. And especially for spreading a lie. I'm terrified of doing that. I'm sorry. I fear God. These people don't, but I do fear God, and so I, we got to be careful about that. But you know what? Based I'll gladly stand with somebody like Pastor Shiflett against guys like Cameron Giovanelli. You know why? Because the
0: proper... And I have yet. So so again, I have yet to understand what I have done. I, forget the recovery from... well don't forget them. You know what I mean. Forget the recovery fundamentals guys, church split guys. I'm just going to respond for myself. What have I done individually to make you think that I... As a professed believer, <laughs> am a damned, heretical, effeminate, unworthy, horrible person who does not deserve support. I understand if there's different. We have doctrinal differences. We have different, like the language that you use toward entire groups of people is extremely offensive to me. Uh, the, the way that you speak to people, the tone you use, the, the types of names you're about to start devolving into calling people bother me immensely. But if there's any issue in which I can be bipartisan with just about anybody, it's that I don't like abuse in church. And I told Tommy this over the phone. I would tell him this now. I would tell him this if he was sitting across from me in a restaurant. I told him over the phone. I would tell him. I would say this in a live stream. You can watch this and hear me say it. I'm willing to say that in this area, I agree with Tommy that, you know, abuse does not need to happen. Churches, we need to expose it. We need to end it. And I say that in spite of all the horrific things that Tommy has said from his pulpit. So why can't Tommy, in spite of his you know, dislike of the tightness of my pants, say he stands with me in this area of abuse? And time after time after time, I sit down, across from IFP pastors, or I sit on the phone with IFP pastors, or I get comments from IFP pastors who say, we support any abuse, we just don't support you talking about abuse, because you're an outsider. It doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever. Because Stacy Shiflet, I disagree with almost everything that he does practically. I disagree with many of his positions. But I stand alongside Shiflet, And as far as I'm aware, he stands alongside me. He's been on this show when it comes to abuse. We can disagree how to handle it. We can disagree about music. We can disagree about wearing ties to church. We can disagree about the King James only stuff. We can disagree about all kinds of doctrinal things heck I could disagree with anybody about that stuff, but we can be bipartisan about abuse. Can't we? Cause it seems like we can't authorities, the church, they dealt
2: with it. I don't care that he got found guilty in court too. I mean, that's great. We can go off of that. We can go off what the, uh, the police and the investigators and things like that say police reports. If you want to use that, that's fine. But you know what better yet when a church say-
0: this is a really interesting one to me, um, and, and I want to I want to put a, a Bible verse here. I'm going to add it in, so please bear with me. Uh, I'm, I'm going to include this this quick screenshot because this is really interesting to me that he said this, and I do partly agree, but I also partly disagree. So as you can see up here, I've got Romans 13. Forgive me, this is the ESV. It's what I had handy, so I screenshotted it um, and, and pulled it up says, let every person be subject to the governing authorities for there is no authority except from God and those that exist that have been, or those that exist have been instituted by God. This is referring to the governing authorities. This is the magistrates, the police of the time, the government. Whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed and those who resist will incur judgment. Rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Pay to all what is owed to them, taxes to whom taxes are owed, revenue, revenue to whom revenue is owed, respect to whom respect is owed, honor to who honor is owed. And so it really shocked me when he said, even better, a church, because the church biblically is not the authority that is to deal with this thing. There is part of that. There is part of that element here, but judgment is to be carried out by the government. So to say even better, the church kind of threw me through a little bit of a loop, but I do partly agree with what Tommy is about to say here something about it. Because, you know, I don't always trust the legal system out there. I trust churches. Yeah, and it, it is broken.
2: 100%. More than I do that. I trust churches more than I do the unrighteous judges that are out there, too, that, that sentenced Cameron G. Vanell for like a month or whatever it was he got. He barely got anything.
0: Yeah, and, and that was horrific. But also there is a legal process. So this can't be ha- happening within the confines of just the church. I mean
2: you know, like I'm going to go off what they say more than what the church says. I'm going off what the church says, and we need to understand proper authorities need to deal with it. And what needs to happen more and more churches need to get this kind of thing, right? This is something that the IB needs to figure out that it is their individual church's responsibility to call out these things, to deal with these things and to expose these perverts. When they get busted and you know what, if we don't do it, here's, what's going to happen. If we don't do it, we're going to keep having the Eric Skorzynski's pop up. We're going to keep having the recovering fundamentalists oh, pop Tommy. up that not only are they going to not get all their facts, right? But they're also going to bring Again, in their trash. Doc, cite
0: something, cite something.
2: And, that, and that's the thing. These guys, it's never just about exposing perverts. They're always bringing their bad doctrine in too. And you know, and that that's bad, but you know what? That's what we get when we don't deal with this stuff. Fair enough. When you don't deal with things properly, when you don't deal with things quickly, then it's the, the solution later is going to be much worse. Have you ever seen these things too? these like nasty infections people get this comparison shocking. where they like treat it with maggots. I can't imagine having a wound so bad. I let them put maggots on me to deal with the infection, you know, but you know what I would rather, deal with it early and just take an antibiotic or something and be done with it. So let maggots deal with it. But you know what, because the church hasn't done what it's needed to do when it comes to dealing with these things, we've let this affection grow to where we got to have disgusting solutions like recovering fundamentalists and things. The, I won't call them maggots,
0: but <laughs> well, way to hold back. But it just, Appreciate it.
2: the solution, it's just as disgusting. And you know, and and again,
0: how is the solution just as disgusting? So calling out sexual abuse is just as disgusting as the abuse. It, it makes no sense when you really pick apart these sentences and think about what he's saying, it makes no and sense. What what they're doing is good when they expose the perverts,
2: you know, some of the, listen, this is going to be a sermon for another week. I don't want to get ahead of myself, but there's, there's some bad preaching that goes on in the IFB. There's Absolutely. some really bad preaching. Now, who do we want holding these people accountable? It'd be nice if their congregations held them accountable. Do you know, y'all are allowed it's to do not that too.
0: In most churches. It's not,
2: you're all allowed to do that too. Again, if the pastor it, starts going against not. the Bible and preaching things around biblical, you don't have to deal with that kind of thing. You know, if, if, when, and even if you didn't get rid of the pastor, <laughs> if these churches would just empty out when they preach this trash, maybe guys would quit doing it. But you know What? People aren't doing that. What, the congregation they just sit there and they amen, stupid unbiblical preaching. I agree And then you know what we have to do? We have to have low-life bottom feeders like I sermon clips they, that's such a scumbag and so cowardly that he can't put his name behind anything he does because he knows he knows that he is somebody that no one would want to align themselves with. And you know, in these preachers, they hate getting their stuff featured on there, but you know what? Why don't you deal with your own preaching? And then he doesn't have guys like him. Don't have to fix you. I, I cause cause again, just like these people, they're not causing any problems in our church. I love and I have sermon clips shares my stuff. Unfortunately, I, I liked it too much. They quit because of that. I, I don't think he liked it that I was liking and retweeting the clips he was using on mine, but I, I thought what I said was fantastic. You know, I, I thought it was really good. It's like you know, thank you for the free promotion. You know, and it is. You know, it gets a little frustrating sometimes when you go in the comments. All, all he does is he shares sermon clips. You know, in context. If you don't like what you're saying, just don't say it. Well,
0: and again, Tommy's right here. Extremely. It's not the
2: fact that my clips out there. It's just, did you read what the people said about what I? Said? I'm frozen. That's super frustrating. I said. It's like, you know, you'll say something and then they just turn it into something that never even crossed your mind. It's not IFB preacher clips. It's all the morons who leave comments on all his clips he shares. It's like, what is wrong with these people? But he, but either way, I love it. They can share my stuff. I hope he shares a clip of this. He loves getting mentioned, and you know, like all Actually, narcissists kind of the do. They, they love that kind of thing. But he probably won't because he knows I'll like it. Even though I can't, I can't actually like it on Twitter because he blocked me, but I will like it. I will love it. But but either way, you know, said, I, you know, I think, I think the IFB needs IFB sermon clips. I do because stupid stuff gets preached and nobody's holding these guys accountable. hundred percent. You listen to stuff. These rock talk. Some of the behavior, these can't things, just the bad doctrine, the, the misuse of scripture, you know, the proof texting. I mean, there's all these just terrible things. Somebody's got to call this stuff out and I don't want to waste my time calling up preachers, you know, correcting every little thing they do wrong, but somebody needs to do it. And since nobody in the church is doing it, you know what God has to do. God's got to send in the scummy Babylonians to come in and take care of business. And so I, I think, they're providing good if churches would start doing what they're supposed to do then there would be no need for
0: ip preacher clips. he's 100 right i have no idea where my video input went uh but there would I'll be no some you know, audio need for the recovering rejects and things like that,
2: that but at the meantime i do think they are providing some good i do believe that like again while i say they're doing some good i still believe they're evil i believe they will get zero rewards I believe they Based will be
0: punished. Give an example for what
2: they're doing, just like the Babylonians were punished. That is how God works. That's how God does this type of thing. And so, the last thing we you know we can do too, when it comes to uh, problems in the IB, people who participate in cover-ups and things, is we can have nothing to do with those involved in sin and cover-ups. We can stand strongly against them, and we can stand strongly with those who judge righteously. When sin takes place, but you know what we're not going to do? These guys that are involved in this stuff that are participating in cover-ups and things, we're not going to invite them to come here and preach. We're not going to go to their meetings yeah. and their conferences, no matter how big that conference is. We're not going to go to that. We're not going to support that because these people need to be forgotten. They need to be removed. They need to be gone. And so understand confessing the sins of the I, faults of the eye of beat. This is not an attack on the eye of beat. If I name a sin of an IFB forefather, that's not me saying that they weren't great men and never did anything for God.
0: But again, why can't that same courtesy be extended to people who are outside the IFB who may have some flaws, which you seem to be uh, bothered by, but are also doing so much good in pointing out sin in the IFB? That's not it. I am I am thankful for what some of these did and just some of the...
2: Uh, you know, you know, these trailblazers of the past things that come, I thank God for these people. And you know, sometimes it wasn't even a matter of them being good or bad. Sometimes it was just a matter of them making a mistake or being an heir. Cause again, something that they taught us that we often forget is that they weren't perfect. And sometimes they did. Sometimes they messed up and they made a mistake. doesn't mean we throw everything of theirs out. doesn't mean they never did anything for God. And if we really want to honor the men of the past, how about, we honor the Jesus that they preached. Why don't we do that? Why don't we learn from their mistakes?
0: That's that. And again, we have to differentiate mistakes and abuse and covering up abuse. With it, we're, we're making these statements, these are good men, and then we're talking about abuse. And we're talking about all these are like, at a certain point, when do they stop being good men? At what point do we say, this isn't good people? That's the thing that we need
2: to do. And unfortunately, uh, we're forgetting about that today. We're, we're leaving that kind of thing out. And if we don't deal with this type of thing, you know what? One of these days we're going to be the ones we're going to have people within this church, if we get, if we have sin in this church, if we cover up sexual abuse, you know, what's going to happen. We're going to have somebody in this church. God's going to send somebody to this church who isn't even saved. Somebody who's not really one of us, but they're going to learn about us that we're going to think uh, we're one of them. We're going to love these people. And then they're going to rise up. They're going to show their true colors. And you know what they're going to do. They're going to make it their mission to destroy us. And it'll look good. It'll, for, you know, to the enemies out there. Oh man, this guy went to their church and they're going to be saying all these things about all these people and that kind of thing hurts. Hey, okay? you know, just, I mean, just think about that right now. Okay. I, I'm not, you know, I'm not saying brother Austin's bad or I think he's right, but, but imagine somebody like Austin that we know that we love, we care about if it turned out that he was in fact an infiltrator. And then we, and somebody that we liked that you had over to your house and all this type of things. If someday we see him out there making videos against our church, just saying, you know, revealing everybody's secrets, saying all these bad things, that, that kind of thing hurts, doesn't it? But you know what, if we don't deal with our problems, like we're supposed to, something like that is probably what will happen. But the truth is, while there will always be recovering fundamentalists and I preacher clips and reason files and all these people, those people will always be around. But if we are innocent, they can't hurt us. You think, you think about the people that have come after our church. You know, you think about the reason files, how much damage have they done to our church and all with all the videos they put out about us zero, you know, Jeff dollar. I mean, look how many videos that guy's made about me. Um, Brian Denlinger, the watchdog. Listen, the only reason I exposed the watchdog was because I was just disgusted at him as a human being. And I just felt like he needed to go down, but I'm not going to lie. I miss the watchdog and I miss his videos. Our family enjoyed those. You know why? Because when he's out there accusing me of things, it didn't have any bite because there was no truth to it. You know, when these people hurt is when there's truth, reason files, they can't hurt us because they can only lie about us, but it's when they start laying out truth, that's when it hurts. I have preacher clips. They can't hurt us. You know why? Cause the, the lies aren't going to have any impact. They have no bite. Anybody who's here and a part of this church are going to see through the junk that people like them do. You all see through it, whoever it is. Okay. Even if it's people within our own camp again, that say negative, negative things against us, deductive. you all are here. You all see right through that. And you know what never happened? It never hurts us. It is. It, 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 the, the, think about even people within our own camp that have attacked us in the last year. Did you know that it's literally only cost us one person? And we were all like, thank God.
1: <laughs>
2: I mean, we're all thrilled now, now that one person, I just noticed they're out commenting on all the haters channels. Now I'm talking like the unsaved haters, the haters of the They're like on all their channels. Oh, yeah. Now, thank you.
0: Be in place
2: because we, we were pretty sure they were bad, but we didn't have the goods. We, we, we didn't have the goods on them. See, so what did they do? They just, they took out the trash for us. And that's why, you know, no matter how many of these punks and things do this, it's not going to hurt. And the reason so many of these churches are being hurt by the recovering guys and all that is because they do have sin and God is using people like them to deal with it. And I don't know about you. I hope God never.
0: So again, it's amazing that he chooses to use Babylon as opposed to Nathan, but
2: but. needs to use scum like that to fix our church. I hope we can always take care of our own problems that we will deal with things the way God intended. And I believe if we, if we will do that, then God will bless us. And we continue, we can continue the good legacy, the good parts of the IFB. We can continue that kind of thing. We can can keep it going and we won't have to deal with a lot of the problems that many within the IFB are dealing with. We can be an exception. To that thing because I'm telling you, there, there's, there's way too much good to just go throwing it out. We're not dropping the name Baptist. We're, we're not going to do that. We're still going to call ourselves independent fundamental Baptist. There's too much good associated with it to throw it all away, but we're not just going to be like some loyalist groupie and act like a Republican who can never call out anything that a Republican does. It's like their job is to only call out the Democrats. No, why don't you deal with things within your own party? You know, why don't we deal with things within our own camp? and within our own church. That is what God intended. And if we will do that, I believe God will bless us. And so with that, let's pray dear Lord.
0: Thank you. Well, that's the end of the sermon. I'm going to go ahead and close out this clip and then I'll be right back with the camera working so I can uh, just give a couple final thoughts. Well, 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 what a way to spend an evening watching a Tommy McMurtry sermon. Again, comment if you want me to do McMurtry Mondays or Tommy Thursdays as he works through this series, Sins of the IFB. Uh, That took some dedication to go through that sermon. It's the second time I've listened to it. Uh, So, hey, uh, props to me, I guess. Uh, my big takeaways is really that he spent so much of the time talking about the flaws of the people calling out the sins in the movement, than he did calling out the sins of the movement itself. But again, this is the intro to a series, so hopefully that'll change. Uh, thank you guys so much for tuning in to the Preacher Boys podcast. If you have any thoughts on any content you think I should be covering, um, or if you have a story of abuse within the independent fundamental Baptist movement, be sure to send an email to that's preacherboys, doc that's preacherboysdoc at gmail.com. I really appreciate it. Thank you guys so much for watching and tune in to the next video uh, coming up real soon. All right, guys. Thanks so much and I'll catch you later.
1: Thank you for listening to the Preacher Boys podcast. If you appreciated the content on the show, please leave a review on iTunes and don't forget to connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter with the handle at Preacher Boys Doc. Additional information can always be found on PreacherboysDoc.com.